Maria Pergolino had never heard of ActiveCampaign, which is funny because Maria is a veteran marketing executive in the software space. She's worked for other marketing automation giants like Marketo. Nope, never heard of them. Earlier this year, Maria was weighing new CMO opportunities in the marketing technology space. ActiveCampaign was one of them. And though she had never heard of them, as she dug in, she kind of found out why. They had almost an obsessive commitment to the product and customer experience rather than marketing, which is why they were pursuing Maria. They had 80,000 customers, are clear market leaders in marketing automation on G2, and have a strong partner community. But up until now, no consistency in communicating any of that. At this point, Pergolino knew this was the opportunity she was going to pursue. As of this recording, she'd only been five weeks into the role, but she had already reorged the marketing team and had gotten the wheels turning for leaning more into brand in the coming year. So if you haven't already, in another few months, you and everyone else will know who ActiveCampaign is. This is Ground Up. It's a podcast about growth, except without all the numbers. Here, we tell the stories of everything behind the numbers, the ideas, the habits, the discipline, and also the personal and professional growth of some of the smartest marketers and business owners that we know. I'm John Benini, and I'm your host. You've been at Active Campaign now for several months now, right? You announced it a few months ago that you joined a CMO? I think this is my fifth week. Fifth week. How are, yeah. how are things? Talk about the first, the first uh, I was going to say 30, 60, 90 days, but we're, 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 not, we're not all the way there yet. Talk about the first like 30 to, to, to 60 days. Uh, what's, been your, what's been most important for you uh, so far coming in? Yeah, if you don't mind, I'd love to talk about how I got here, uh, which then I think will align to what I started doing first. Yeah, um, I am fortunate to have uh, had a pretty awesome career working with these like hyper growth brands. And that hasn't been uh, accidental. I pride myself in doing good market sizing and, and understanding what the opportunity is and then trying to pick somebody with great products so that it can be the winner within within that category. Sure. And so... Um, for this opportunity, I compared against a number of different CMO opportunities. And what I was looking for is somebody, a company that was just fanatical, fanatical about servicing their customers that had a really strong product, but that the marketing was a weakness and we were going to be able to, you know, really make a difference by doing some great marketing. And so when I first heard of this company, I had not heard of this company and I thought it was crazy. I've spent the last, uh, 15 years in, sales and MarTech, um, and, I, and I had never heard of this firm who was in business at the time that I was at what would have been a competitor of theirs. Um, and I started digging in and just could not believe the company has uh, replatformed in uh, a few years ago and has grown to over 80,000 customers very quickly. Wow. And um, and so my, my path was it just in finding this company was uh, like I went to LinkedIn and I looked at their employee growth and then I went to Google Trends and looked at their brand growth and I went to social media and was looking all all of the the tweets and positive sentiment and then I went to G2 and in the spaces that they're in there's well over twelve thousand 
reviews and they're with thousands of them ranking in satisfaction higher than anybody else, both in all in one CRM software, as well as marketing automation. And I was like, how could I not have heard of this brand that's selling well and that has such great reviews? And it became obvious to me that this was the opportunity. Knowing that, it wouldn't be surprising the things that I've dug in on since I've gotten there have to do with messaging, have to do with how they presented the brand, had to do with what's working and what's not working so that I can find a way to really take this amazing story out and get some lift because of it. Uh, The marketing impact here should be able to be massive. Right, because they have a pretty strong community. And I've, I've thought that they're like sneakily big. I don't even know if that's a word, but in terms of customer count, like you said, and probably, you know, attributed to the marketing, you know, maybe not as as, as big of a marketing presence um, that, that you kind of alluded to. Well, uh, it, was it sort of just, uh, was that purposeful? Was, was it more of a product focused, uh, not a lot of resources kind of put into marketing in the past? Like, what, what do you, what do you attribute that to? I think three things. One, the CEO is a great marketer. And I think whatever you're great in, you end up you're saying, hey, I'll do it, I'll do it, and not getting to it as the CEO. <laughs> and so a little bit of just accidental delay. Yeah. I think the second piece is that this company uh, wanted to put it all into product and wanted to also be fiscally like mindful. Um, and so they just focused on building a great product. And, and then the third piece is letting that kind of virality hit and let you know people share their successes. And all of that has worked really well. The growth is tremendous. It's now, you know, how do we even pump that up even more? Right. What's important uh, as a C-level executive coming in? Um, like, wh- what are the things that are most important for you in terms of the team coming in? Uh, because there's there's so many things you can do. I remember when I started at uh, Litmus uh, five years ago, uh, and I was coming in in a, in a marketing leadership role, and I bought this book. It was called The First 90 Days, I think it's called. I forget who the author is. Um, and I remember my wife laughing at me because um, she thought it was one of those hokey, like, ch- change your mindset and change your life uh, kind of books. Uh, but it was super helpful in, in um, prioritizing things I would have never thought, you know, were important, like uh, navigating the hierarchy of a company, um, understanding where the bottlenecks are in the company and things like that. So as a C-level executive, I'd imagine those kind of things, there's, there's so many more opportunities of things that you can focus on. What What is... What have you found just, you know, from your experience in coming into a new team like this, like what's most important for you to focus on uh, at that level first? Yeah, I think um, I think it gets to what I think the role of the CMO is. And so, you know, when I'm talking to the team about what my job is, it's uh, a lot of times we think that it is to to help with the marketing. But the, the reality is there's a group of marketers that come in to do the marketing every day that are aligned to each of the different functional areas. And they're going to do that better than I am. My job is to, um, create that alignment across the organization, uh, and really hear what's going on in the rest of the organization, because I believe marketing's job is to take all of the beautiful things that are happening inside of a company and show it outside of the company. And so really starting to hear what those things are. Um, sometimes I think marketing teams are really good at promoting what they create and not what the rest of the organization's created. That's why there's so many challenges often with product launches or, um, highlighting some of that customer success because it's not always centered or originating in marketing the way a white paper might be. And then I think the other piece that's really important, you know, I, with, 
whether, and I've led teams that are well over a hundred and small as let's say uh, 20 or 25. Um, if that is the strength of the marketing, even if a hundred marketers sounds big, I can tell you that a hundred marketers cannot change an industry. What you need is every customer, every partner, every employee, the entire ecosystem being able to share the value, being able to share the message forward. And so as the CMO really getting, getting those, those advocates, those, uh, those influencers to bring the message forward. And that's, um, so when you think about where to spend your time, it's getting to know those different audiences as well as, uh, starting to uncover what's going on in the business that can be a part of the marketing. So essentially empowering, you know, the, the, whether it's customers or like you said, influencers, people that are in the community outside of your internal team, empowering them to kind of carry your message. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I don't think it matters how great the marketing team can right. say it. It's really how well uh, all of those others can advocate for you. And that's what allows the hyper-growth brands to be those growth brands because other they're not counting on just the marketers to do the marketing. And ActiveCampaign has a, has a pretty active uh, channel marketing, correct? Like they have a pretty big partner program? Yeah, there is uh, an affiliate as well as, uh, you know, so there's alliances as well as direct channel partners. There's, yeah. um, and it's empowering them for sure. But I think all of their customers, uh, yeah. investors, um, employees, I mean, everybody should understand what the, the brand is, what the value it brings and be able to, to carry that forward. And then I know it sounds like I'm, I'm slanting very hard towards the brand side. I'm known to be a strong demand marketer because then you work the balance of how do you track that, measure that, uh, monetize that to make sure that then it's driving to the revenue goals of the company. Right. So how do you, so what, what you're describing, right, is, is, is challenging work, right? How do you begin to dive into ways to empower, you, you know, all these different inputs, you know, to the brand, whether it's direct channel, whether it's uh, affiliates, um, how do you empower all of them to carry a message? Obviously, that requires strong messaging and positioning. Did Active Campaign uh, have that coming in? Um, and if not, like, is that a focus? Like, what are ways to, to, to do that, to empower others to carry the message? I think the biggest thing is to start hearing them. A lot of times you'll hear, and I, I join marketers in that, um, you know, everybody feels like they can do marketing. And I once sat through a presentation with a marketer that I respect. And she said, you know, in the organization, you don't just have to be the CMO, you have to be the CM no, and you have to be able to say no to things so that you can ruthlessly prioritize. But I actually think you have to be that CM yes, you have to hear everybody. And you have to get to the root of what they're asking for. So when somebody comes and says, you know what campaign I think you should do, or you know what ad I think you should do, you have to hear that. And then you have to say, you know, so what I'm hearing is you're trying to grow the business or you think the brand needs to improve or you think we have to highlight this story and you have to bring it back to the what they're trying to drive behind that tactic. And then when you deliver messaging, you have to say, hey, what we heard from everybody is that growth is critical. And, you know, we had ideas from this team on this, this and this. And we had ideas over here on this, this and this. And so this is what what we heard. And then this is what we developed for you. And what you've now done is not made it marketing's marketing, but you've right. made it the marketing of the rest of the ecosystem. And then you get that ability to carry that messaging forward. Right. And so 
active campaign you had mentioned you hadn't really heard of them right prior yeah. to, to coming on board you've been a big player in the email automation space you've worked at marketo before um what do you think the the big you know five weeks in some of the bigger differentiators are um you know from a messaging positioning standpoint of active campaign versus a hubspot obviously some of them are more geared toward smb and enterprise um, but you know, the HubSpots and Marketos of the world and even MailChimps and things like that. Like wh- where do you think the, the main differences lie? And, and I can answer that question. I will. I think it is an important question. I think no marketer should take a job until they can answer those questions because if you can't, you're going to have a hard time doing that job. Don't figure that out once you're there. Um, and so this is research I did into companies before I joined to know, can I do great marketing? Because if I can't articulate differentiators, I'm never going to do that great of a job. And I think, you know, we constantly hear about CMO turnover and it's like, how do you prevent that? It's making sure you can do the job well ahead of time. And so, um, part of understanding, can I, you know, not, is there a big market? What's the market size? And then can I grow this company within it is really understanding those. I think a couple of things, uh, this company, and I was very attracted to companies that serviced, uh, SMBs. Um, I have worked in enterprise marketing for the last 15 years, and there are so many products and solutions that companies cannot hear across them yet. Smaller businesses are so underserved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so tying to a brand, I talked to multiple brands that were, whether it be mid-market or smaller organizations, solopreneurs that were focused in on that area. And what I was looking for is somebody who felt like they could get that success um, uh, with those smaller companies, but that where they were doing it thinking of the broader audience. So how can this be a product for everybody? Right. I just cannot believe that there are only that you should only have some products in some companies that to use for marketing that then wouldn't be relevant to smaller organizations. It seems like nonsense to me, like good marketing is good marketing. We should all be right. able to use similar tools. So I, I appreciated that they serve that SMB market, but what I found that I was super excited about, um, is that the, 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 what they had built was not just for SMB, but that if today, and sorry if that's any noise, my like cats are having so much fun playing right now. <laughs> yeah, because I saw one um, before, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, everybody gets to know me. I have adorable cats that I will uh, drive you crazy showing off. Um, but back to those differentiators, this company uh, built not, they replatformed, they were an on-premise company that was doing marketing automation and the CEO loved it. He felt like he was solving important things for businesses, but realized on-premise was not going to be the future. And so what he did is replatformed an entirely new product three or so years ago. And that is what has the 80,000 customers and right. what he had the benefit of that every other platform does not have is that he could build, you know, two years ago, what every other MarTech brand would have built if they started today. Does that make sense? Like he was able to take the experience of everybody. And so some really powerful things, these pre-built automations, essentially let's not tell people they have to do marketing and then give them a blank tool. Let's pre-build all of the different situations, hundreds of them that, Hey, I want to go out to my customers and offer them a new product. Hey, I want to go and I want to use Facebook to do this campaign pre-built these automations that you pop in um, 
whether you're trying to do email marketing, marketing automation, CRM, and that uh, you can leverage right away. The second thing is um, using machine learning. We keep hearing about machine learning. It's the next wave, predictive, but we all don't know a lot about it or when it's the right time to use it. They're using it in uh, super smart. My cat is really going crazy. It's very funny. <laughs> um, they're using it in a super smart way where um, like something is as simple as like sending an email instead of saying to you, okay, this is what you need to know from a machine learning side. It's just literally you click a button and it's looking at the history of every single individual person and choosing when within a certain period, it's going to send that email to increase open rates. And it has increased open rates in significant percentages. Um, it's just a different approach to machine learning. that's very thoughtful. Um, and so you combine that with like the orchestration, segmentation, personalization that I would say is best in class. And I think very easy to differentiate the product. And you're, so your marketers aren't starting from scratch, which is, which is massive, especially when it comes to automations and workflows and all that kind of stuff, right? Which is, could get super complicated. You could spend hours doing those things. Yeah. And if you're like listening on this call and thinking, well, that's not relevant to enterprise, I mm -hmm. would argue it's different. A couple of years ago, I don't know if you ever heard the brand demand metric. It's an agency, it's a consultancy, but the way that they grew their business is by putting out all of these, uh, like essentially Excel templates and they created a subscription. You pay to, to have this subscription. And I talked to the CEO at one point, this is probably almost eight years ago. And I said, Hey, like, uh, I bet you it's all small companies that are buying these templates. And he said, no, it's, it's enterprises because what they want is they want to see a roadmap. They want to see how other people are recommending doing it before they do it. And so it's not just small businesses. It's companies of all sizes that want to see a, they want the benchmark a roadmap right. yeah. and then make, and then decide, um, what's right for them. Right. You're speaking my language now because at Databox, we have a whole template directory uh, that makes it easy for people that want to track their data. Like they don't have to start from scratch. They can just connect their Google analytics or connect their active campaign account or HubSpot or whatever it is. And the data will pre-populate. Um, and a lot of people in our space, especially companies that are more upmarket, um, you know, products that I've used in the past, like Tableau and things like that, that, uh, you, you kind of have to be a data analyst in order to use, uh, effectively, we kind of went the opposite direction, similar, it sounds like, to what Active Campaign does. and just wanted to make it easier and prevent people from starting from scratch and being able to uh, allow them to track data quicker, which it sounds like Active Campaign value too, which is which is super interesting and, and valuable, I'm sure. Um, so is that is that something that you're going to be leaning into as a as a as a organization and when it comes to messaging and positioning going forward? Absolutely. I think the market today, and you kind of to your point, thinks it's either simple and easy or complex uh, and hard. Right. And I really think that you can have uh, complete but not complex, right? Like that is. That's kind of like that. Um, <laughs> that's the it. It's uh, technology's come that way. It does not have to be impossible right. to use and uh, just to do something um, for an enterprise organization. And so. Uh, Active Campaign will not abandon its its current customers, but I think you will see enterprise organizations realizing that hey, I, we want to benefit from some of this too, and they're already seeing that long before I've I've joined. Um, it's just hey, we want to have good conversations with our customers. The other thing is like a, a lot of marketing technology silos the channels, so it's like you use this tool for email and this yeah. tool for chat, mm -hmm. like. 
it doesn't make sense when you want to have a conversation with your customer, you want to talk to them through social, email, messaging, chat, text, like all of those things, you should be able to move across them. And this company's done that well. And I would encourage whether you're doing this type of technology or anything touching a customer, making it that the channels aren't siloed, that you can talk to them the way you want to talk to them, the way they want to talk to you, when they want to talk to you. I think that's critical in truly having a customer-centric platform. For sure, yeah. So tell me about the marketing team that you've uh, sort of, uh, you know, you've inherited, you know, five weeks in here. What is the what does the marketing team look like right now? And how is it structured? Yeah, so uh, first of all, I was very lucky I had not met any of the marketing team before I joined, but it is uh, a very smart, capable group. The person that was leading marketing was actually in charge of all of the design and um and some of the product and was overseeing marketing and his talent is on his name, Shay, his talent is unbelievable. And so I, in, when we say the word inherited, I was privileged to right. uh, work with this like awesome group. And I say that without hesitation. Uh, I have already done a reorg though. And you think, Oh my goodness, five weeks in, how could you <laughs> reorg? Uh, when I did come in, uh, uh, there was 14 direct reports. Like that is just impossible. If you know, other CMOs or marketing leaders are listening, I mean, six to eight is what I do well with. Mm-hmm. I, it's hard to give people the time they need if you're stretched further. And so I knew I had to do a reorg just to make sure I could do my job well. Um, and so the way that I reorg, uh, if this is useful to anybody, is I take I get take every personality out of the the equation, and what I start with is what the goals are of the organization. So in this case, you know we have product marketing work to do, we had communications work to do, content and brand acquisition, you know all the different areas. Um, and what I do is I write out all those things, and I write what the metrics are. And what I start to do is organize people by their metrics. So interesting. What we ended up with is a product marketing group whose metrics are around how well the sales team's performing, how well the partners are enabled, right? Very different than the the acquisition team that's responsible for uh, the trials and the MQLs and and the sales performance. You have areas like brand and content and events that have a piece of both the brand side as well as acquisition. So grouping those together. Um, And then ones you don't want to have acquisition metrics tied to, like a customer and community team who you want really engaged with your customer and not making decisions based off of the next lead, but how do we retain customers, right? So net retention, retention, um, the referenceability of customers, them having goals. And so I grouped out all the teams by those goals and then uh, essentially create an org chart without anybody in it. Um, so create an org chart, literally have the KPIs for each of the roles and then start placing the individuals and it becomes so obvious. So those areas of goals became what my direct reports are. And then you look across the team and you say, who can fill these roles? And in some cases, somebody's would be great, but they haven't been trained up to it. So you say, you know what, we're going to place a bet with this person. We're going to, um, we have somebody I think on the team who's going to be a great leader, it's probably a stretch right now, but we're going to put effort here. Um, there's other people who we're not putting into that spot because even there, you look at the what they have to drive. There's one person on the team who uh, their their role is so important. We're going to be investing in their team as opposed to promoting them up, but their role is going to be getting bigger within that team, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
Um, and then there's ones that you see, hey, we've got a spot to fill and and we've already put up. I'm right now hiring for a head of demand, a head of product marketing. Um, but what's great is for the people that are going to be on their team, um, they have, you know, what will be clear roles. We'll be able to have good conversations. We know what they have to be able to manage to do their job well by looking at the org this way. So um, I know that sounds very structured and it probably is, but it works super well for me. It sounds like, too, it would make collaboration e- easier between individuals uh, that may have been siloed, uh, you know, in different functions before, but their work influences similar metrics or the same metrics, right? And it makes collaboration with those groups easier when you, when you structure it this way. Well, and you start seeing simple things. We do over 50% of our business outside of the U.S. And you see, wait a second, not half the team is is responsible for, for anything global. You see parts of the business that you know are really important, but where there's only one team member as opposed to other parts that are probably equally as important but have 10. And you start saying, wait a second, what's the balance we have to to work? I, I just cannot believe that people don't come into work to do a good job. So I'm not somebody who comes in and wants to fire uh, half the team or any, it's just right. crazy to me. Often where we see people unsuccessful, it's because we have not been able to communicate the right things to them, or we haven't set up that area for success, or they're just in the wrong role altogether. And so, um, you know, we, we did a reorg without removing a single person from the organization. And I believe every person that, that is a part of the team has the ability to long-term be a part of the team. How is that? Uh, how has the response been to that? Because you know, when when a new leader comes in, and there's you know maybe a different approach around what metrics people should be tracking and implementing goals. Uh, you know, in in some cases maybe there weren't goals or they were different. Um, like talk about just you know the the overall response and and the importance of 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 having the the right touch or approach in going about that. Like was was had the team been tracking specific metrics tightly before and did they have really clear goals or was this whole uh reorg um you know was the introduction of that sort of thing new to them um so i walked through with the team how we did the changes and i think regardless of change is hard depending on the individual and how personally they are at accepting change there's going to be people that it's, they struggle with in the beginning, but long-term are great. And other people who in the beginning accept the change, but then don't adopt it. Um, what, uh, I was trying to do is share that methodology so that they could be leaders as they build their own teams down the road. And so I want to empower the team, not just in today, but give them the skills to do my job in the future. Um, and so that transparency and we were announcing who we were going to hire, and so that causes some hesitation, right? We're, we're putting a lot of unknowns. Hey, there's going to be a new boss, but we don't know who it is. And so you have, um, I really love this woman, Cy Wakeman, who writes on on uh, areas like this. She has a book called No Ego, another one called Reality-Based Leadership. And, and she would talk about how teams pre-suffer. So, oh, we're going to get a new leader here. I bet they're going to change all of this. <laughs> it's going to be the worst. And it's, that's maybe not the reality. Um, and so why pre-suffer on it? And so I'm encouraging the team. Everybody does a little bit of that pre-suffering. We worry about other people. We say, oh, this person's role didn't change. Does that mean we don't think they're good? That's absolutely not the case. But we're pre-suffering. Uh, we're, we're bringing a little bit of drama because there's some unsurety. But 
Um, what I can promise the team if, if they were listening to the call right now and, and as I'm on calls with them is we're doing things to try to create a to create an organization that can handle and be successful in this really high growth. And that high growth, uh, it creates a lot of opportunity prior to this call. You and I were talking and we talked about the marketers that were at HubSpot, that were at Pardot, that were at Eloqua, that were at Marketo and how almost every one of them have gone into leadership roles. Um, I want to build a team that can do that, that every single person from that team is successful and it means that sometimes you have to expose the team to harder things and give them that experience. And so we're going to have some hard days in the short term, but I I am trying to do that to make it that we have really great success in the long term. What have been sort of some of the uh, the core, you know, the core focus of the team uh, coming in to the job uh, in terms of is it content marketing? Is it paid? Is it channel uh, PR? I mean, I'm sure it's bits of all of these things. But in, in terms of like uh, the the primary focus of the team, what was that uh, when you were coming in? And you know, do you see that? Do you envision that, or how do you envision that changing? Yeah. So the team, um, the company I mentioned, they do a huge number of trials that then turn into customers. It's amazing. Like if we get this tool into somebody's hands, they're going to buy it. And so. Um, it's a, what's great is it's a really predictable model and one that as a marketing leader, I can try different things and very quickly see if they're going to work or not work, which is awesome for putting a marketing mix together. But what I'd say is there's not a strong mix right now. It is a lot of great best practices, content marketing Mm -hmm. that then striving acquisition through trials. And so when you think about, uh, what, what I want to do as the CMO, I want to protect the organization by, um, giving it more options of how to achieve that success. So how do I make sure it's trials plus maybe people that ask for demos, plus people that um, maybe just uh, watch a presentation online and then decide to purchase and kind of like, it's almost like a paid demo that way, right? A paid trial. Um, So I wanna give the company other ways to monetize. Um, I also wanna make sure uh, that we're creating more efficiency by increasing brands. So the content team's going to get exhausted if this week they have to create three articles and next week four and the following week five. And that's how we scale. Instead, how do I give the company kind of more juice in the beginning by increasing brand, increasing awareness. And so, uh, we'll rotate that way as well. What does that, Uh, what does that mean? Increasing brand? Um, I mean, this is the story here is unbelievable. Um, we have not told it to almost because this company is so fiscally sound, uh, there, there hasn't been a lot to say to investors. And mm-hmm. so, uh, we haven't talked to that audience. The customers have found their success and, and it's been great that they have shared some of that success, but there's no program drive like that says, Hey, will you coach tell people about this for us? Um, our partners, we're, we don't encourage uh, their marketing. Like we don't ask them to to promote. And then we don't have a strong cadence of press releases, right. um, of highlighting. So on our website, we put the events that we sponsor and that we put out. But like we have marketers, we have leaders speaking in the community every day, sharing best practices. And we don't even list those on the website, <laughs> right? So it's... Um, it's just starting that drumbeat. I mean, this is, you kind of said it, it's like the largest company that you haven't heard of. It's, we have to start letting people know there's some cool things happening here. Right. 
Uh, and uh, so, uh, did you put a number like how how big is the actual team? Like how many people? Does it number? Yeah, right now the team's around twenty five people 25. in marketing. Nice. And uh, what was uh, what the your approach to goal setting? You know, you mentioned re- reorging the team to be around you know metrics, which I think is is brilliant. Uh, what's what's your approach to to goal setting been with this group, and was it different than from what they were already used to prior? Yeah, and I think this is uh, important. It starts outside of marketing, right? I'm looking at the goals of the business. So what's the retention that we want to have with our customers? What is the um, what is the growth that we want to have on the sales side? And then matching that over on the marketing side. So yeah. if the sales team, and I'm not going to share specific numbers here, yeah. but if the sales team is trying to grow 100%, marketing's goals can't be when you add them all up, acquisition growing 40%, right? And so how right. do you match those? Um, and then... You look at then for each of these teams, how that plays out. And if you're trying to say, hey, acquisition has to grow 100%, but the team size has only grown 20% over the last couple of years, you know you have a staffing challenge and you need to fill to that. Right. Um, and so, and, and that's definitely the case in some places. We do so much business uh, internationally, but we don't have a lot of international marketers. So how do we fill that in? Um, and then... Uh, we came up with, so we use, uh, and you can read all about this methodology in uh, Mark Benioff's book or through just a search, they use their V2Mom um, at Salesforce, which I think is very similar to like uh, Cis, uh, Cisco's uh, VSEM or, you know, one of those mm-hmm. methodologies around like, what's the vision of the company? What are the key strategies? How are you going to get there? And then what are the metrics to do it? Um, here, we added in kind of a, what are the priorities? Like, if we do these things, what will they get us to the goal? And what I'm trying to do is instead of everybody having kind of random things that gets to the goal, how do we have some big rocks? How do we say, you know what, this is going to be a strategy that the whole team's going to go in on. And so hopefully we'll get some outsized impact. Um, and so the other thing I'm trying to do is remove some silos. So by having some team goals together, some priorities across the team, it's encouraging people to work together. Right. So it sounds a little bit top down, right? You back into the goal based on what the you know sales goal, revenue goals are of the organization. Is there any bottoms up component to it where you kind of go to some of your direct reports and say like, you know, uh, wh- where do you think our, our focus should be, or do they already have a good idea on, you know, what needs to be accomplished? Uh, is is there like a hybrid, or is it is it mostly just kind of backing in to the marketing metrics based on you know what the sales and revenue goals are from the organization? So like in this case, I set essentially about 10 priorities for the quarter um, that are ones that will be priorities beyond this quarter, but this is my first quarter. So um, (laughs) I set these 10 priorities across the team and uh, but then said, you guys built the plan. So while I come with the these are the goals, Mm -hmm. you tell me how we're going to get there and empowering the team to do the marketing the way that they want to do it with the strategies that they think will work. and so I think it is very bottoms up, right? I've hired them, or in this case, they, they've joined uh, prior to me being here in, to do their jobs well. Me telling them what strategies to take within their area of expertise is not going to be that efficient, right? Like it's instead they're right. telling me how they're going to achieve to that. Um, and I think that's how you honestly create great marketing leaders. It's by letting them see the goal trying to explain why it would be the goal and then letting them build the plan to it and testing that. The only caveat I'd say 
is I am not a big fan of like the idea of fail fast or test and tweak or whatever you want to do. Like I think you can decide if right now you and I decided for, let's say you and I started a company. If we said, you know what was going to work, we're going to make this purely a strategy where we use digital or we're going to really use events as the core. We're only going to use account-based marketing. Like we can make that work. We don't have to, that's not about testing. That's about choosing and being purposeful about how we're going to go to market. And I would encourage more people to be purposeful about their success as opposed to doing something halfway and then seeing, oh, well, we got halfway results. Like I could have told you that was what the results were going to be. Like uh, (laughs) I am asking the team to choose where we're going to win and then let's over resource in those areas and let's, let's have a fun time in those areas and let's just do it better than anybody else. And um, that's where I think sometimes some of the, metrics get in the way it's like you need to sometimes decide what the results are going to be uh before you start doing the program yeah i like the deliberate approach because you're more likely to stick with quote unquote failures and make adjustments rather than oh it failed that's not going to work let's go find something else and then you're constantly just toying with new things and never ever moving the needle on anything uh rather than like you said be deliberate uh and here's where we're going to win and and you make it work and, and you make the adjustments and you find ways to make it work uh, yeah, I, I love that approach. Um, and bonus points if your CEO likes that approach too. Yeah. <laughs> so if your CEO is all yeah. about the website and you're all about events, it's never going to, yeah. he's going to constantly, you're going to just keep proving to him why the events work and he's just going to be annoyed by it. Like, yeah. so if you can harness the mood of the organization and then choose to do that, well, I think it can be uh, massively impactful and uh, make your boss really happy too. How far in advance? Like I know, you know, we've we've just said this a million times already, but you're you're five weeks in. But typically, like, how far in advance do you like to do the? You know, like, what what is your planning cadence? Is it annual? Is it quarterly? Uh, like, typically, how far in advance are you doing that kind of thing? I'm a big uh, like annual planner within like quarterly. Uh, tactical plans um so like what are the big goals what are the themes going to be and then how are we going to do that quarterly so you have you can adjust with picking one or two things that are going to be big within the year that you need the whole year to rotate to whether that be a conference or um a massive campaign or something like that i think here because it does they do have more business with small businesses they run on more of a monthly cadence and so Um, I'll definitely make some tweaks to the way that I look at the plan. Um, But ultimately, I think all plans need to be rolling. One tip um, that I would give marketers that I have had to learn the hard way is that we like marketing is hard because you're you've got this plan. Marketers tend to be very strategic. It's the front of the ship, right? It's the, the face of the company. And then constantly people are coming in and they're like, oh my gosh, this competitor got purchased. We got to do this campaign. We have to try this. And it feels like so much noise all the time and so frustrating. Almost every marketer I've ever talked to can talk about that frustration. I try to build that into the plan. So like in this case, there's a a type of campaign that the team didn't have, nobody owned, but every month the CEO would come in and say, hey, I want to do this. And it was, and I could see this pattern that every month this was happening Um, and I said, no, no, we're just going to make this somebody's job. Like, let's plan for it and let's bring to the CEO, like, Hey, this is the cadence that we're going to do with this going forward. And so don't let the things that create noise, create noise, find a way to make them part of the program. We did similar at my last company where we said like part of the sales team is not being served. And so they're constantly making noise and we're having to jump in and, and 
do these activations. Let's just make that part of the core program and it just saves so much stress. It's a, that can be really a big time saver in planning. Right. For sure. It, uh, and in terms of channels, it sounds like content, uh, before you mentioned blogging, it sounds like content plays a big role in organic. Uh, how much of like other channels are, uh, you know, have you been relying on? Uh, do you do a lot of paid ads? Um, sounds like PR, not enough, right? Because uh, the brand play there, you want something you want to invest more in. So like in terms of the mix coming in, was it, was, it sounds like mostly content and organic is what was it's driving signups of- and traffic. It's been a lot of digital and that digital has been uh, done through a mix of organic and paid much heavier on the organic, Mm -hmm. which is beautiful from my side. What that says is uh, people need what the company has. There has been very little on the um, uh, acquisition side, especially as it ties to events. And it's challenging because it's a lower price point. How do you do things Mm -hmm. like an event uh, and make it successful? And I think that's where doing things like brand activations, having events that have strong digital components to it, right? Where you're not just showing up the event and seeing and scanning some people, but you're doing geofencing and you're, you've got a, a, maybe it's even brand, a billboard outside, things like that, that can, can help reinforce that event is going to be important to stay as efficient as we have uh, in the acquisition. Right. Uh, And here's the thing, while I'm coming in and there's a lot to do, this company has been wildly successful. Like I'm also smart enough to say, and sometimes we have to be humble and say, you know what, like the things that are working, I'm going to stay true to that. Like I am not going to spend wildly here because this company has done very lean, very smart customer acquisition. I'm going to be able to use those other channels, but we're going to do it in a way that's true to the nature of the company. And we're going to do it in a smart way. We're going to leverage the customer voice. Like, um, I, I definitely am paying attention to that success before and not recreating the wheel that way. So content will continue to be a priority uh, rather than maybe dumping, you know, increasing paid spend by 250%, you know, and paid ads or paid search or something like that. Yeah. I, I think, you know, let's like, uh, right. let's, let's use what's been working well and continue to invest in. Right. And find other ways to use it. Um, so I want to, I, I kind of want to end here, you know, we're, uh, well, first of all, you picked a good quarter to start, right? Like Q4, like <laughs> right at the yeah. end of the year, <laughs> year end goals. Um, but in looking ahead to 2020, what do you, like, what are you putting together now? Like, what, what do you see as, as sort of the most ambitious goal from a marketing standpoint? It could be both metrics and maybe just something that's not uh, metric driven, like, you know, um, in, you know, s- something involving the brand, like you were mentioning earlier, what are some of the more ambitious goals that you have for the team next year? Yeah, I think, um, and I'm going to answer this question a little bit uh, different than you asked, but, um, you know, that we're starting to build some muscle memory and how to create those priorities and then mm-hmm. achieve as a team to them. Uh, my dream is that uh, the marketing leadership is really running the team and that what my job is just to bring them some strategic direction, the priority from leadership. And so as I go into next year, what I want to be doing is, and I think the the reason I bring this up is because I think it's sometimes a miss on the marketing leadership side is spending more time with my peers. How do I really understand the challenges on the HR side or the people side so that I can help with internal comms or um, recruiting from a marketing side, listening to the product team. What is, what is the passions around what they want to build? Where do they see low hanging fruit and how could I change the marketing to support that? How can I bring them back uh, good market data? We forget the word market is in marketing. 
And so how do I really start becoming a source of the market for the rest of the team? Um, and so I really want to empower the marketing team to do the marketing and I want to be able to spend my time with my peers, helping them with the market itself, uh, so that then we continue to build great things to do that marketing with. Well, it sounds like they have the right person in place to, to move towards that. This, this is exciting times. Thank you, Maria, for, for sharing so much. And, 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 uh, I'm excited to watch active campaign, you know, over the next, you know, few months, six months, 12 months, uh, excited to see your influence there and, and continue to see the brand grow because uh, as integration partners it's, it's, it's exciting um, but uh, and, and we have quite a few active campaign users so um, yeah I, I'm excited to watch uh, the growth of the company and, and your influence there so thanks for coming on and sharing so much I appreciate it I hope uh, if there's any great marketers looking for a place to that they can make big impact uh, send me a note and uh, if you want to have some awesome marketing, you want to be engaging better with your customers, go take a peek at Active Campaign. There's a 15-day free trial. There you go. We have no shortage of marketers listening. So reach out to Maria and check out Active Campaign. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.